Uh, SENWA Mornings host Mark Duffield joins us on Sports Day because there is some news coming out of West Coast and it's not good news with Matt Flynn to miss uh, around about three months after surgery to repair a hamstring tendon issue. There's also other things to talk to Mark about as he joins us. So good evening, Mark. G'day, guys. Yeah, West Coast just uh, feels like deja vu all over again for them. Can't get the rock the ruck spot right. I thought he was a really good pickup, and uh, to lose him in, I guess, warm up for Matt Sim, a captain's run for Matt Sim is a mm. real black cat situation. Yeah, so apparently he was just doing um, uh, sort of a, a ruck knock simulation on the jumping bag, and it somehow um, stretched it or snapped the tendon. And obviously, there's no such thing as a good snapped hamstring tendon it's about a 12-week injury so and that just throws everything that they've planned for over summer into disarray you know Bailey Williams was going to play in the forward line yep. and be a second marking target alongside Oscar Allen he has to come into the ruck now um yeah what do they do with their forward setup they still haven't got Jack Darling all the way back from his own hamstring injury so hopefully he's back this weekend and able to stand up um and then they've down the other end Jeremy McGovern got sore after two quarters of match simulation mm. the week before, and he will probably play against Adelaide this week. But if that becomes a pattern for him, then they're in all sorts down that end as well because Harry Edwards has got a broken finger and Josh Rothman is still making his way back from an off-season injury. So it just looks like 22 and 23 all over again. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to get off to a great start if you're a rebuilding side, if you actually have lost a few of the... Uh, the pieces of the puzzle early in the piece. But uh, I thought Elliot Yo showed a fair bit, which, you know, he's he's been dogged by groin, hernia, whatever problems you'd like to call it, uh, for a long time. And last year looked like he was back, did a hamstring, I think it was. Um, but he did look impressive on the weekend. Yeah, he did. So he was one of three players they sent to Qatar in the summer. Uh, McGovern was another one of them. And obviously, young Harry Edwards was another one. And of course, unfortunately, Harry's got the broken finger. But they were sent to try and improve their durability because it has become a problem. I think Elliot's played 37 of West Coast's last 85 games. Mm. And I think Jeremy McGovern's played 46 of West Coast's last 85 games. Now, one's a four-time All-Australian. One's a two-time best and fairest, two-time All-Australian player. It's hard to cover those sort of losses. Um, Yo was one of the positives, I think, to come out of the game um, against Fremantle. Other areas, not so great, because it just looked like Fremantle had better depth yep. and uh, and better power in most areas of the of the ground. Look, I think it's another tough year for West Coast, but unfortunately, a lot tougher unless they get better durability. And Jared, you'd probably be more of an expert on this than me, but does it get to a point where you almost have to select for durability as opposed to ability because you can't just keep having these seasons where it becomes a train wreck because of injuries. No, that's the Kane Corns viewpoint uh, very much. He's uh, been strong on, you know, guys that uh, just don't get on the park. But I think Elliot Yo is the answer to that. If you if you can find the solution, well, the, you don't lose your ability and uh, you'll be backing in the Elliot Yo rather than, I think, uh, chopping those guys. When it comes to contracts, it's one of the problems with these long-term contracts. You've always got the problem with concussion. And you've got these long-term, uh, often overuse injuries that can dog you for a period of time until you get them uh, get them sorted out. Uh, from a positive perspective, I thought Fremantle looked 
good. They should have looked good too against the West Coast. But uh, there's some certainly some signs there that they could rebound and rebound hard. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm overwhelmingly confident, but I am cautiously optimistic about yep. Fremantle. I think um, I think they'll certainly be one of the teams in the mix to climb into the eight. Um, they've got really good depth, Jared. It's just yeah. a matter of getting to the point where the top end is good enough to really challenge um, those really good teams. And and the other thing, which we forget about Fremantle, they're, they're still very young mm. and, um, and they drafted a lot of kids in. So it means that even though they've been together for two or three years, they're still very young. And if you take their three tall targets in attack, um, as they're likely to line up in round one. Um, Jai Amis will be 20 in round one. Um, Josh Tracy will be 21. And I think Luke Jackson will be 22. So there's your three tall yep. targets. And one of them isn't really even a specialist forward. He's more of a forward rut. So that's going to be their challenge, I think. And if you look at the scoreboard at halftime in the game against the Eagles, um, for all their dominance around the park, they were still only 15 points in front. So it didn't necessarily translate into a whooping on the scoreboard until later in the game. But I think one problem that they had last year, which they appear to have solved, is that I think a big part of the step back last year was that with the um, the players that went off the list for various reasons, they became a lot smaller and younger than they anticipated they were going to be, particularly around the middle. Mm-hmm. And Nathan Fife back in there certainly goes a long way to solving that. Hayden Young's in there as well. And then even at halftime in that game, they were able to roll Neil Erasmus, who's a very promising you know, um, inside midfielder into that. Will Brody, who was very good in 2022, he came on at halftime. So there's good depth in that area, almost to the point where after all of us calling for Young to go into the middle for half a season last year, it's almost a case to argue that if five stays sound, yep. he maybe should go back and, and bolster the half-back line and give them some better bounce out of that area. So I think they're, they're a fair way down the track to solving that, and they just need to make sure that they get bang for their buck going forward and inside attacking 50. So a question to you, Jared, before we get Mark's view. With Nathan Fife, is it, does it have to be midfield? I, I'm a fan of Nathan's as a midfielder. I mean, he can always go forward. I think he's going to be a better forward when he's got his muscle bulk back. Uh, it seemed like he... They shed muscle so he could play up forward, but uh, didn't make any sense to me. But he's uh, he's going to rest somewhere. He, they may rest him through the bench, but um, he's just such a good contested player. And I think the numbers show you that that was as much as there's been a lot of theories about Fremantle. Their contested ball last year numbers, I think they're about sixteenth for hard ball getting, fifteenth for loose ball get. That 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 adds up to about seventy five percent of contested ball. So they need to get better in that area. And their connection between their forwards and uh, their mids was poor. Never replaced Mundy's capacity to hit targets inside the middle. And I think they've uh, they've worked pretty uh, hard on that uh, throughout the season, Duff, and hopefully it, uh, through the, out the preseason, and hopefully it pays some dividends. Yeah, Jared, and you mentioned the contested ball, particularly around clearance. If you look at the first month or so of the season, maybe even two months last year, when they slipped to 2-5 and really put themselves one game too far back. They were always, even when they got better form later in the year, you always felt they were one game further back than they should have been. Yep. And some of the clearance battles in those games, they were they were winning two for the opposition's three. So that, that was like 
it was adding up to total clearance numbers like 45 30. Mm. Um, I think I think the numbers against St Kilda and North Melbourne in rounds one and two when they were games that we thought at that point that Fremantle would win both of them based on 2022 form and, and that was the sort of numbers that came out of the clearance now there's a lot of criticism of their ball movement but Justin Longmuir kept on making the point well because of what's happening around the clearances they're always having to shift it from half back or the back pocket past 18 opposition players instead of from the midfield past you know eight to ten opposition players which makes it a lot harder and uh so I think Fife in there, we saw on the weekend, um, he was very imposing around there. And I also think Nathan has learnt um, over time and perhaps just not being the dominant player that he was, say, in 2019, 2020, and even past the 2021. He's learnt that don't try and beat the tackle, get the ball and give it. And because the smaller and quicker players around him can have confidence in him getting it because he's such a good contested ball winner, they can hold their width a little bit. And when they do get it, they've got a little bit more time and space to do something with it. I think we saw a bit of that against West Coast on Saturday. Now, clearly, they will play better teams than West Coast over the course of the season. And I think you'll get a much better idea on how they're going against Port Adelaide um, on Friday night. But I think it was a step in the right direction. And I think they will feel reasonably confident they've gone some way to solving that problem. I'm going to get sucked into Freo again. I always get sucked into Freo. I think they could potentially make the eight. My last question, and it is to both of you again, but going back to West Coast, so their first four are Port Adelaide away, the Giants at home, the Bulldogs away, and Sydney in uh, in Gather Round. Mm. Now, I know that the when Eagles... When do they get a bye? <laughs> well, they'll probably need one after that. Yeah. Um, I know the Eagles have put faith back in Adam Simpson. I get all that, but I don't see that that intensity is necessarily going to leave if the Eagles start really poorly again? Or or will they? Will they be patient with Adam now that they've said, no, nope, he's staying? Or will they will they come for him again quickly? I think the, I think the, uh, the social media and uh, the like will be putting some heat on him. But one of the reasons I think Adam's a really good employment, even if he doesn't stay long term, and I mean next year and beyond, is it gives another 12 months where whoever takes over is shielded from yes. the inevitable, yes. which is a really tough building year, Duff. Yeah, I look, I think one of the main reasons why they didn't part company with him at the end of last year, let's face it, he's won one in every nine games over the past two seasons. Um, so they could have been justified in saying it's time to make a change. Is that the the size of the payout was big. Now, if you sack him five weeks into this season, the size of the payout is not going to be a lot smaller. Mm. So I would tend to think he stays the course of the season. And it's about West Coast proving themselves to be the strong club that we always thought they have been. And that is that means that the new CEO, Don Pike, has to go to Adam and say, this is the way we want you to coach and this is the way we want you to develop young players. This yep. is what we need to get out of this season. And, um, and Don Pike has had enough coaching experience to understand what is required. And he should command enough respect from Adam to have his ear and, and to get, um, you know, some traction with Adam in that they need to find some young players. But, Jared, they also need to find some players in the 20 to 27 year. There's a big uh, hole there. That, yeah. And, and I think there are some players at the club with some potential in that area who, for one reason or another, just haven't risen to the surface. And I think that's going to be one of the things that Don Pike should challenge Adam Simpson over. You know, 
can we find some players in that age bracket that will help put harder, older bodies alongside the kids and more durable bodies alongside the veterans that might may, you know, insulate the club a little bit from these blowouts and these absolute massacres that they've been suffering over the past two seasons. And provided Adam Simpson can fulfil a few of those goals, I think the win-loss isn't so important as long as they get to the end of the season mm. and see light at the end of the tunnel as opposed to the last two seasons when all they've seen is more oncoming trains. You know, it's just, yep. I think that's going to be the key, the mood we see around the club at the end of the year as opposed to the bleakness that it's been over the past two years. Will Harley Reid be selected in the opening round? Yeah, I think that's a given. I mean, look, he didn't have a great night the other night. He wasn't alone. Um, he was trading weight with Nat Fife at the first four or five stoppages. I would have, if I was a runner at West Coast, I would have gotten out to the stoppage crew and suggested that wasn't a good idea. Mm. Um, that was certainly a big task for a kid in his first game. Um, he had some okay moments. He had some moments where he bit off a little bit more than the AFL is going to allow a young player to chew. I liked him, though. I, I liked him big. doing that. It was a really quick lesson. He tried to uh, straight arm a couple of bikes and they just gobbled him up. But his kick out from uh, full back when he took him on was uh, really exciting. Yeah, and I think the other thing, Jared, to bear in mind with Harley is that Harley will be a contest player. And, and I'm not saying that Nick Dacos isn't, but the great thing about Nick Dacos is that he was a ball user and not just any ball user, but as good a ball user as we've seen and, you know, in the game in recent times. So Collingwood learned very quickly that if you get Nick Dacos the ball, good things will happen. Now, Harley Reid's going to be a little bit different to that. You know, he's going to go and try and win his own ball. And as good a kid as he is, he's going to be an 18-year-old kid against 23, 24 and 25 and upwards, um, you know, midfielders, big body blokes. So he might have some issues in his first season, but I've seen enough in their match team and even a couple of times the other night, I think he's going to be a really good player. Mm. West Coast just needs to develop and nurture him well and, and make sure he's happy and bedded down and um, and they should reap the rewards of that in years to come. Mark, thanks very much for your time. We'll catch you again soon. Good on you guys.